This is Leewood Online, a ministry of Leewood Baptist Church, located in the Kansas City area. For more information about us, visit us online at www.leewoodbaptist.com. Well, as he takes the stage, I'm going to introduce Pastor Steve Dighton. He is going to be our interim pastor uh, while um, Adam is uh, having a leave of absence we do want to thank him so much for taking on, uh, taking on this, this responsibility. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Thank you, Jason. Well, it's good to be with you today and uh, looking forward to the weeks to come. As uh, Jason made mention, I'm beginning to, uh, today officially to be the interim pastor here. I met with the leadership a few weeks ago, and I had some responsibilities that I had to conclude and finish up, and so... Uh, those, for the most part, are behind me. I was uh, doing an interim over at Connection Point Church, which is First Baptist Raytown. Nancy made mention her brother is a member over there and said that I had been their interim, and he's exactly right. So since uh, March, I started over there, but uh, I pastored at Lenexa Baptist for 26 years and uh, retired, kind of been traveling the country doing interims wherever the Lord would open opportunity. Uh, obviously, it is a little simpler when you don't have to fly. We, we were in East Texas last Sunday and preached out there, uh, there without a pastor. Uh, uh, but it really had a commitment I'd already made before I talked to you all. And uh, so we're here today and looking forward to spending this time with you. It's a weird time, amen? It's a weird day. And uh, a lot going on uh, in our nation and in our lives personally. And we pray that God would certainly minister to you as we have privilege to open the Word of God to the people of God. Before I go any further, I want to introduce my wife of uh, soon to be 50 years. We're going to celebrate our 50th anniversary in April. And uh, Dr. Mary Dighton, sitting right here on the front, would you stand, honey? And also my grandson, Crusoe Dighton. And he's 10 years old. And wave at the congregation, Crusoe. Amen. Give them a hand. They deserve to be a hand, to get, get a hand having to follow me around, all this stuff. So as we began today to look at God's Word together and uh, really began to launch out on some weeks to come and prepare our own hearts what God has to say to us, uh, I, what I'm going to do today is really finish up what uh, Jason and Stephen had been doing, preaching through uh, the minor prophet Habakkuk. And it's not minor because it's got a minor message. Quite frankly, uh, it's only minor because it's only three short books. And that's how we distinguish minor prophets and uh, major prophets is the length of the book itself, not because of the message or the content of the book. And so they preached as we looked uh, early on uh, how God in the midst of troubles and trials has a plan, a plan that he is executing, and also how God's righteous judgment indeed will come to pass, and even though we may not quite understand it or grasp exactly what God is doing, uh, believe me, He's God and we're not, and He is uh, fulfilling what He desires to do, and that's what we call His sovereignty. So this morning I want to uh, pick up on the, the prophet uh, Habakkuk. That word means, uh, his, his name means one who clings to God. And we see really a, a transformation in his character as one who does cling to God. And, and we see this change that happens in his life. Matter of fact, Habakkuk's been called the Doubting Thomas 
of the Old Testament. And we see in these concluding verses that we read just a little earlier that indeed he is transformed from a, uh, a cynical, critical kind of uh, attitude one to transform, is transformed to one who's celebrative and certainly um, uh, stronger in his faith. So I want to conclude really uh, the, the, the chapters 2 and chapters 3 of Habakkuk. We read the concluding verses in that hymn uh, that ends the book, uh, verses 17 through 19, as we seek to come to grips with the providence of God. And we realize once again, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And sure as his ways are higher than the earth, and sure as his ways are not ours, he fulfills the very thing he desires to do in our life. Lord, we just pray today that we would be able to unpack the truths found in your word. We pray these timeless principles would really resonate in our own heart and life, and we would have teachable spirits. So, Holy Spirit of God, we're dependent upon you. Pray that you would move among us here and certainly be our teacher and our guide. You are the comforter, the parakaleo, one who comes to our side and encourages us and leads us in the way everlasting. So, Lord, have your way in your church today. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So we find here that uh, Habakkuk is uh, really questioning God on several occasions throughout these early chapters and, and, and relative, relative to what God is allowing. Habakkuk says, what is going on here? There's destruction and violence. The wicked are prevailing and the righteous uh, are, are, are not being considered for their righteousness. And I, I want to simply say this, what... Our problem is oftentimes what God allows. And what God allows, though, is not what God initiates. The person who sees God as arbitrarily striking harm, sickness, or disaster upon a people always come away with a skewed perspective of God. Honestly, I'm not sure why we have to deal with some heartache, with some calamities and other inequities of life. But here's what I do know because God's Word tells me this. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. We know specifically that James tells us, and I know you, you recently just preached through James, that every good and every perfect gift comes from God, and in him there is no shadow of turning. He is a good God who gives good things. But life is full of enigmas and and things we simply can't get our mind around. And oftentimes, we don't know what to say or what to do. But we learn through the preaching of Habakkuk that we just simply have to engage in faith and trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not into our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge Him, and we'll discover He will be directing our path. And certainly, I know that's um, your experience in life and my experience as well that oftentimes these things happen. We're trying to get our minds around what exactly transpired, and not unlike what you guys have gone through here, and, and, and Adam continues to go through, and this church continues to go through. We don't have all the answers, but we have to, by faith, trust that God will take that which has been hurtful, and he will bring a new freshness and faith in all of us. That's what he desires to do. So let me know, I want you to notice with me, as we see this change in Habakkuk the prophet and his, really his, uh, his attitude, 
uh, changing from one of, of doubt and cynicism to having this full faithful confidence in God. So what I want to do is first see in the early chapters, he is uh, marked by a critical spirit. The prophet actually seems a little despondent. He he, 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 he looks around, and all, all he sees is these burdens, and he's put out with what God has allowed and why God hasn't come through, and he's called out to him, and he said, you haven't even answered me. It's a cry of distress. Oh, God, why? I, I'm confident if we were to poll people around the country today about what they think that God is doing right here in America, undoubtedly they would say, I don't know what he's up to. I don't know what he's doing, and certainly we can make the same observation. Can, can you make sense of all that has transpired in America? Of course not. Has God abandoned America? And those are the questions that loom in our hearts sometimes. We see this rioting and looting and chaos in the streets, coupled with the pandemic we've been dealing with, and we, not unlike Habakkuk, we begin to complain we can complain. We can find reasons to. There's injustice in the courts. There's oppression. There's violence, it appears. And, and, and we wonder, well, God, where are you? Have you just walked away? But can I suggest to you, oftentimes the problem is this. We begin to focus on the things around us, the problems, the people, the predicaments. We get consumed with the issues or the pain, however, and we can never really focus on who God is or what God has in store for us because we're consumed with the issues. As I like to say, we need to quit telling God how big our problems are and start telling our problems how big our God is. And that's what Habakkuk is learning here. When he focuses on his distress, these disappointments, or his disapproval of how God is handling these things, he ends up confused. He, 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 he quickly develops this cynicism and what I'm calling as well a critical spirit. Any of you guilty of that? Any of you got critical spirits in your heart? You know, I often say this. God can use anybody except a person with a bad attitude, a critical spirit, or a sinful heart. But you can't be used of God when you possess those things. Habakkuk needed an attitude change. He needed a different perspective. And in chapter 2, we see that happening as he goes to the watchtower, and he begins to see things a little more clearly, a, a little different than he saw before. He said, I will stand on the watchtower and set myself on the rampart. I'll watch to see what he will say to me, what God will say, and what I will answer when I am, get this word, when I am corrected. And the Lord answered me and said this, write the vision, write this revelation down, in other words. Make it plain on the tablets that he may run who reads it for the vision, this vision, this, this word from God, this revelation for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will surely, surely come. It will not tarry. Now, I think you know what a watchtower is, certainly in biblical days. Actually, there's still some, some, some that are standing in Israel today. But they were used primarily so, so one could get up a little higher perspective so they could see when the enemies were attacking and they could see them coming before they could without getting up to that kind of height. It changed the optics of what they could see. And so we see Habakkuk here having this change of heart as he says, well, I'm going to do what God says for me to do. First off, I'm going to go up to the watchtower and, and have a look. 
from a different perspective. Sometimes we need a different perspective. Sometimes we need to be a little higher than simply looking around us all the time and seeing all the issues that we've got to deal with. We need God's perspective. And when he did that, there was a first change from a critical attitude now to a more confident attitude, a confident spirit. He says, I'm going, God says, I'll, I'll require some more patience for you. You're going to have to get the big picture, get the macro look, get this revelation. It's coming. This revelation is coming. It's for an appointed time. And even though it is not coming immediately, you're going to have to be what? Patient. And God calls him to wait. And Habakkuk is learning his perspective has been limited. And God's promise resolve, he begins by embracing it to what God promises he will be doing. You know, most, one of the most quoted and memorable verses in the entire book is found in the very next verse in chapter 2. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright. But then he goes on to say in verse 4, and the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Now, what seems to be a caveat, actually, after this uh, promise of this revelation coming from God, he really puts the disclosure on, on this matter of faith. The just shall live by faith. Those who are justified with God, they live by faith. This verse would really be the catalyst for the whole Reformation. And Martin Luther, in his study of Romans, came to grips with uh, Romans 1.17, where actually Paul would quote Habakkuk, in the just shall live by faith. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God and salvation to all who will believe. First to the Jew, but also to the Greek. For if the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, it's written, the just shall live by faith. In other words, we're going to have to have a clear revelation of the word of God. We've got to come to grips with the saving reality that happens when we believe in a, in a faith that's active, in a faith that trusts. And certainly, we do not have a relationship with God because we can keep all the rules. We go through the rituals. We have uh, a grip on the regulations. It's expected. Uh, it's not about a structure. It's not about a system. It's not about a pilgrimage. But the just, those who have a right relationship with God, is because they believe. They believe, as Paul explain the gospel for I delivered unto you that which I also received how that Christ died for sins according to scripture that he was buried on the third day he arose again according to scripture we believe that it's not by our good works in, in Titus 3 not by works of righteousness we've done according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration renewing of the Holy Spirit for by grace we've been saved through faith and that not of ourselves a gift of God not of works lest any man would boast can I tell you, here's what the Bible says. It's not about you. It's not about what you have done. It's about what Christ has done for you and what he accomplished on the cross. And when you realize that, suddenly you can have a confident spirit. Habakkuk is, fo Habakkuk is focused when he moves his sights upward. And he seems to uncover then this truth of justification with the holy God. And it happens because he says we believe in him. And certainly this promise of justification with God and how God's going to right the wrongs with the Chaldeans would come to happen because that's one of the things that uh, Habakkuk is, is talking about. 
How, and God tells him in chapter 1 that the Chaldeans are coming to, to bring judgment upon those of Israel. And now he's telling them, though, that he is going to come in judgment. In 539, the Chaldeans would indeed be judged by the Medo-Persians in the kingdom of Cyprus would be the world's dominant power, and the Babylonians, those who were known as the Chaldeans, would be no more than a vassal state of the Medo-Persian Empire. Here's what I'm telling you. Here's what we know, and here's what's being fleshed out here. What God has promised, he is able to perform. Can I tell you, when we come to grips with that simple statement, it will bring, give us confidence. It'll give us confidence. And truth of the matter is, when we look at our country, when we look at our nation, and we look at the secularization and the humanistic world in which we live, we have to realize that, that what God has promised, he is, he is able and will perform. And so here's what we can determine. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He is ever-watching. No man can escape his judgment and one day he will judge the living and the dead and Habakkuk was coming to grips with this it's not in vain to live for God he's the only hope he's the only help he's the only comfort in our time of need and then look at the conclusion of chapter 2 verse 20 but the Lord is in his holy temple let all the earth keep silent before him so in other words, Habakkuk declares, God is good and I'm not good. He is on the throne and I'm not on the throne. And the only way, only one, there's only one God and, 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 and I'm not him. And so I'm declaring it's you, O oh God, who reigns, who rules and eventually judges. So shouldn't we keep quiet before him? Of course we should. What can we do to... To contribute anything to the all-knowing, all-seeing, omnipresent God. You know, I've heard people say this. You probably have too. You know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like God owes them an explanation. Well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask him why he did this or did that. And let me tell you something. When you get to heaven, you're not going to ask him that. Let me tell you why. Because you're going to realize in that day about the glory and how great and how big this God is that we've been preaching about. And you will be so glad to be there. You're not going to run up to him and ask him some kind of question that, that he hasn't already known about. And that he has all, hasn't already taken it and used it for his glory and your good. So Habakkuk clings to God. That's what we do. He's the one who clings to God. Are you the one who clings to God? Are you fulfilling what's expected of us as believers in Jesus Christ, regardless of how hard our life is, the trials that we face? Look, we can't figure everything out, but we can cling to God. And we can stay cynical, and, and, and we can have a poor spirit about everything, but I'm telling you, you know what God wants to do in our life? He wants to do what he did in Habakkuk's life. He wants to move us from cynicism and critical spirit and a bad attitude to a confident faith. You know why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. 
We're trusting in the unseen realities that God has for each of us. So clinging to God, it changed this critical, doubtful, cynical, sour prophet into a faith that won out. And certainly confidence begins to grow. And then when we get to the final chapters, the verses we read a little earlier, we see that change from being critical to being certainly more confident. But lastly, he was, he was celebrating. He had a celebrative spirit. I, I love what it says in Psalm 16, 11. Thou will show me the path of life, for in thy presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. So this celebrative spirit, it seems with the awe and humility of Habakkuk ever being present for what God has done for his people, what he begins to do is to recount the goodness of God here in chapter 3. And it begins with his reverence for God. He, 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 he begins in prayer, O Lord, I've heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of of the years. In the midst of the years, mark your word and indeed show us who you are. And so he, he says, look, God's changing me because I'm having a look at what God has done in the past. I wonder, could you reflect a little bit in your life on what God has done in your life? How he's rescued us through faith? How we've come to be a part of his body, the church? how he's given us the Holy Spirit of God, how he's been our ever-present help in time of need. And what he recounts here is the salvation history of Israel, how God has worked in the past, and how he grew confidence and could celebrate what God was up to now. In, in, in verse 8, he mentions, uh, uh, well, first he mentions the general revelation of God, how God is the creator God. And, and, and the beauty of his creation. And then he begins to talk about uh, just when the Israelites seemed dead and water at the Red Sea, God uh, allowed by his grace Moses to lift his, uh, his staff and, and they walked through on dry land. And, and that's the same God that, that is, uh, is ruling and reigning in his day. And then in verse 11, he mentions uh, that God's people headed for certain defeat at the hands of the Amorites. And you know the story in Joshua chapter 10, how God stopped the sun. The Israelites prevail at Gibeon. He, he begins to tell of the history of how God had worked in their life. You see, here's the deal. Here's the takeaway. We have a faith that is built on historical facts. And so when... Habakkuk would learn and remember that these things have been seen. God had acted in this way. He had delivered in this way. He had shown himself sufficient in this way, doing the miraculous things, delivering his people out of Egyptian bondage, stopping the sun, this great creative hand of general revelation. God's done it. And when he realized that once again, he began to have a fresh faith, a faith built on historical facts, not conjecture, not pretense. And I'm just telling you, if you have a faith that's not built on the Bible, the Word of God, you're, and you just, you've just you got a faith that's just based on your feelings, let me tell you, that's a faith that's faulty. Your feelings come and go. But when your faith is built on the evidence and the truth of the Word of God, you've got a faith that will last. 
it will endure. And we need to remember sometimes how God has shown himself sufficient in the past, and we trust in the God of the Bible. It'll bring reverence in our life, and it did with Habakkuk. And finally, his resolve in verses 16 through 19, these concluding verses, some of the richest in all the Scripture, and Habakkuk in a crescendo of personal praise begins to give praise to God. Though the fig tree may not blossom, no fruit on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the field and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I'm going to rejoice in the Lord, for he is the joy of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like deer's feet, and he'll make me to walk in high places or high hills. That, that sounds a little weird on high hills, make me walk in high hills. And high places, let's, let's use that, especially if you're masculine here. We, God didn't make you to walk in high hills. It didn't cost you anything extra. So let me say this in cl- concluding. These are truths that we need to be reminded of. Really, it's only the Christian that can rejoice in tribulation because we know our God is in control and he's going to work something out better than we realized or anticipated. Habakkuk came to the point where he declared, I'm not going to serve God just what's in it for me or the way I think he ought to act. I'm going to serve God because he's God. And so no matter how difficult life may become, And that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about the fig tree that doesn't blossom, no fruit in the vines, no olive trees that are bringing a harvest. The fields yield no meat. The flock is cut off from the fold. He said, still, I'm going to rejoice because the Lord's my strength. He's my salvation. And so really the question that needs to be asked to you today, where's your strength? Who are you leaning on? I certainly hope it's not in the government. Man, I'm telling you, that's a sinking ship. You heard it right here. (laughs) Doesn't take too much of a profit to tell you that. I'm telling you also, it's not a political candidate. I'm telling you, God's still on the throne. It doesn't matter who the next president of the United States is. We don't need to be fearful. We don't need to be frightened. Listen, our trust is in God, not what the government can do for us. I'm telling you, there's getting to be this this propagation, this idea, we, we get the government's going to get us. He's gonna, they're going to take care of us. Listen, how about God taking care of us? How about putting our trust in him? Let's not be people who default to worldly things. Let's keep a strong faith that's anchored in the risen Lord. And then he declares, look, here's the reality. I'll by faith rejoice in the Lord, for he's my strength and he's my salvation. So where's your strength? I'll tell you, if you allow the circumstances of life to always ruin your life, you'll always have a ruined life. But through the heartaches, through the hard times, through the difficulties, if we default to trusting God, then one day, though the vision tarries, the revelation tarries. Wait for it. It will surely come. And God will show up in your life, and he'll show up in my life. And one day we'll be celebrating the reality. And I pray that sooner rather than later. 
I will tell you this. Habakkuk said, God's made me to walk in high places. He looked to his past, what God had done, and he found reason to rejoice because God had promised he'd do it again. You know, we have a little different perspective. We're looking from this side of Calvary. That the work of Christ finished our faith. We put our faith now in the risen Christ. But if we continue to be misunderstanding about focused on things that really are coming and going, we're going to always remain as Habakkuk did with the critical spirit. Let's be confident today because we trust in Christ. Let's be celebrative. We've got reasons to rejoice for the Lord is our strength and he's our salvation. Do you bow your heads with me? Just a biblical reminder today of, of curiously enough where a lot of us live our life. And that is almost with a critical spirit of all that, all that happens. And cynicism makes its way into our heart. And rather than simply by faith trusting in God, we just get more bothered by stuff that doesn't meet with our approval. I'm telling you, listen to me. This world is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. And this world is never going to be uh, all that we would desire it to be. It's broke. Our lives are broke. It's not their problem. It's our problem. Our hearts are hard oftentimes. And all of us really were in the same camp until the grace of God was poured out in our life. And suddenly, we've been transformed by the work on the cross. Not because we were worthy, but because Jesus loved us with an everlasting love. And we trusted in him. And he delivered us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And now we have reasons to celebrate let our hearts celebrate. Let's, let's have a confidence in God that moves us to where we need to be. Let's put our trust afresh today. God's worked in the past. He's proven himself. He's, dis, he's on display, not only in the general revelation of his creative hand, but what Christ has done for us on Calvary. And we have reasons to celebrate. Lord, forgive us when we think that we have got things figured out and, and get upset when they don't go exactly the way we had hoped. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And so, Lord, we confess today with these people here known as Leewood Baptist that you are the overcomer. You're the great God who is on display, who has shown to us the grace and mercy at the cross. And so, Lord, I pray that we would take with us today that we would leave a little stronger in our faith than when we came. Thank you for the preaching of your word. As Isaiah said, it doesn't return void. It will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. So create in us, O oh Lord, a clean heart and renew a right spirit in us, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said...
Amen. Thank you for joining us online. Leewood Baptist Church exists to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. For more information about us and our ministry, please visit us at www.leewoodbaptist.com.